0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Running Obstetrician Podcast. My name is Christopher Morosky, and I am the Running Obstetrician. In this episode, we will continue discussing our obstetrics topic. Obstetrics. More specifically, obstetrical forceps. This episode will be dedicated to discussing the shanks of the obstetrical forceps. So if you're sitting there with a pair of forceps in your hands, like we've been doing during this uh, series on obstetrical forceps, you will find that the long, thin piece of metal that connects the handles of the forceps to the blades is called the shank. Now it is imperative to the function of forceps that each branch has a shank, in that, without the shank, the handle would be attached directly to the blade. Those who use obstetrical forceps will immediately see a problem here. With anything but an outlet delivery, that being the head of the infinite is crowning and about to deliver, Articulation of the branches without a shank would result in no handle to hold on to. There would be no ability to provide traction, as part of the handle itself would be in the pelvis. Thus, through the lengths of the shanks, this allows the user to grasp onto the handles when performing the delivery. Paying attention to the laws of physics, the longer the length of the shank, the more force in terms of traction, torque, and rotation that can be applied during the use of forceps. For this reason, the more modern outlet forceps of Simpson and Elliott were constructed to have a relatively shorter shank, thus reducing the ability to apply too much force. Lastly, with most of the crossed forceps, the shank holds the lock of the forcep and is the area of articulation. Now, let's look at some shanks of some of our more common obstetrical forceps found in our labor and delivery units. First, we'll review the Simpson forceps. The hallmark of the Simpson forcep is the separated parallel shank. Shortly after the English lock on the Simpson forcep, the shanks separate approximately 2.2 centimeters. In doing so, Simpson had hoped to decrease the compression of the fetal head. The separated shanks also put the blades of the Simpson forceps further apart, thus decreasing compression. Also, when the operator slips their finger in between the two shanks at the time of traction, this, too, decreases compression on the fetal head. Next, moving on to the Elliott-type forceps, including uh, the more modern Tucker-McLean forceps, as well as uh, Keeland and Leucart forceps, these all have an overlapping shank. This allows for more compression of the fetal head, thereby increases the grip on the fetal head. The Keeland and Leucart forceps have a sliding lock, which works... Um, only in the setting of even overlapping shanks. You really can't have a sliding loss without without overlapping shanks. Compared to the shanks of Simpson, those of the Elliott and Tucker-McLean are much longer, again allowing for more traction to be applied at the time of use. The specialty forceps of Piper are parallel, similar to the Simpson forceps. However, they really have the longest length of all common forceps and a third curve built into them. The shanks of these Piper forceps are approximately 15 centimeters long and this uh, third curve um, is built separate from the usual curves of the forceps that we discussed before, that being the cephalic curve and the pelvic curve. This allows for the Piper forceps to be placed under the body of the breech-delivered infant to aid in the delivery of the aftercoming head. The Hawk Denon forceps have a shank constructed with a perineal curve just at the insertion um, into the blades. This makes this forceps particularly suitable for delivery of the occiput posterior facing infant. The importance of insertion of the shank into the blade is highlighted in the Keelan forceps. If you were to hold a branch of Keelan forceps next to a branch of an Elliott forceps, the two blades would appear to be the same. Yet it is the angle at which the shank joins the blade that allows for the pelvic curve of the chelan to be reversed. And this allows for easy rotation of the fetal head without need for a complete scanzoni technique. Lastly, um, in reviewing the Barton forcep, um, this has an overlapping um, shank as noted in the chelans. However, looking at these forceps, you can clearly see that there is something different here and that. One branch of the forcep has um, an interesting approach and bend to it um, when going from the handle to the blade. And the other forcep um, has a hinge um, right where the blade and the shank connect. Uh, These forceps, um, again, are specialty forceps and used for mid-pelvic transverse arrest. And these two shanks allow the handles and blades to come together with proper um, insertion and articulation to deal with this uh, special situation. Alright, well that certainly seems like a good review of the important part of, the, uh, of this uh, part of the obstetrical forcep. I hope that you've gained an appreciation for the shank and can see how this part of the forcep has much to do with function and versatility of the forceps. So, before we go, if you're looking for more episodes of The Running Obstetrician, check us out at www.runningobstetrician.com, and of course, we can be found on iTunes. Until next time, take care, take it easy, and keep on running.